Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. In today's world, chaos is the only certainty. Over the last several years, we have witnessed the impossible occur in global events. The need for families and individuals to not only survive, but to thrive is now greater than ever. Experts the world over have emphasized the importance of generating additional forms of income. In the technologically advanced world we live in today, what if there was a way that we can use technology-powered AI where we can have algorithms do the work for you? Well, thanks to Algo Factory, that is exactly what we did. We teach you not only to leverage the market and carve out profits in the chaos, but we show you how to have a better quality of life by creating your own custom algorithm that trades on your behalf 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All the while, you can continue with your day-to-day responsibilities, checking in when needed on your trades that is working for you. Many clients of Algo Factory have been able to fund their savings, go on dream vacations, and even quit their nine to five jobs. They have created more time for themselves and more time for their families, all through the power of advanced AI and their personal custom algorithm, Algo Factory. Trade your job, upgrade your life. Folks, it's the one and only notorious, glorious V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live on this edition of V for Velas. Velas is with us. He is the dark raven of the deep state, the, the mystic raven that hangs out in the doldrums and the boardrooms and the think tanks of all across what I call <laughs> Mogadishu on the Potomac, uh, affectionately, <laughs> affectionately known as Washington, D.C. <laughs> Mogadishu on the Potomac. <laughs> <laughs> I got that from a uh, from a good friend and client of mine, uh, Sherman. If you're listening out there, a uh, former guy served in uh, military high level. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, Mogadishu on the Potomac. Yeah. <laughs> he worked for the Pentagon. That's what he called it. Oh my God, that's yeah, better than the Potomac two step. Yeah. <laughs> so so folks, hello, this is, hello this is, to Clearwater and hello yes. to Cogapat. <laughs> this is a special broadcast, and here's the deal. Uh, we're only going to be on for like five minutes on YouTube because Vela's is going to get into a lot of deep stuff. 
So if you're on YouTube, you're listening to us, you want to get the entirety of the broadcast, go over to twitch.com, twitch.com, and type in Rogue News TV. Okay, I'll show you guys real quick. Twitch.com. And then when you go there, you type in Rogue There's nothing on the News screen. TV, which, you know, we're, we're, we're live there right now. And I'll show you guys what I'm talking about, right? Okay, here we go. Bang. Share the v, screen. Yes. You're not presenting. Oh, there it is. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I had to pull it up. So just go to rogue, uh, go to you know twitch.com, type in rogue news TV, and you get us over there. Okay. That's where you're gonna hear the rest of this broadcast. Uh, there's a lot going on that Vel's gonna be breaking down for for us. So Vel's uh, let's get into it. Uh, we'll go in for an approximately five minutes from now. Got it. We'll, we'll 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 sign out of YouTube and go directly on Twitch. So without giving okay. people enough time to get there. So yeah, I will I will hold off on certain content until we until yep. we get there. So that being said, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you all may be. Uh, it's Friday, June second, twenty twenty three. Another Beyond uh, Mogadishu on the Potomac. Uh, another one of our no Rogue News uh, jingles. Uh, that I came up with this week. I was joking with V about it. We are the ESPN of reporting on the game that is globalist infighting. <laughs> um, so let's see here. Uh, I'll have a beer. Uh, so who was unseated? Who has unseated Bud Light as the number one beer? Uh, why it's Modelo. Uh, I yep. guess that whole cross-border immigration thing had some unforeseen outcomes. Uh, Modelo, by the way, is owned by Anheuser. Uh, and Yingling is also gaining by leaps and bounds. Ah, uh, the old New York brewery. Yeah. Like uh, like most of you, I've seen the buy one, get one free signs at my local grocery store for all Budweiser products. Mm. Um, hold my beer. Uh, so there's a rumor going around the alternative space. And I'm going to try and not break out laughing while I say this, because even as I was typing this, I was trying to contain myself. But uh, there is some chatter in the alternative space about the following, and I just thought I'd share, uh, that they're going to run <laughs> in place of Joe Biden. <laughs> Fetterman. <laughs> no. Yes. No. <laughs> Oh, dear God. Uh, supposedly, the reason why they're going to do this is, well, several reasons, is number one, for the same reason that Fetterman was put in place in Pennsylvania, because uh, they want to transition him out and bring in his uh, Brazilian-born wife uh, into high office in the United States. I don't know how necessarily that would happen if he's sitting president, but anyway. But anyway, uh, that's the rumor, and I just thought that was a touch funny. Um, farming. <laughs> I. <laughs> That's right, Mr. Fetterman. Mr. Fetterman, do you have anything to add? Good night, everybody. Uh, Good night, everybody. A president who will show up for foreign policy meetings in sweat sweatpants and a sweatshirt. Um, Not even he. He dresses like an eleven-year-old skateboarder. Oh my god! <laughs> he dresses up as a, like he's in a skate park. So. Uh, I posted on on uh, the Velas page on Tuesday, May 30th, an article about John Kerry, uh, the current administration's environmental czar, 
He believes we have too many farms in the United States. Uh, like his European counterparts, he has recently stated farms produce too much nitrogen and other pollutants uh, and methane who have to be brought in line to meet the World Economic Forum and UN environmental goals. So some takeaways on this. He's zeroing in on small, not large farms. Uh, who owns large farms? Well, private equity, large agro corporations, and of course, Bill Gates. We'll get a little bit more into Bill later on. Second, he's proposing small farms in the United States be purchased at 120% of their market value to encourage farmers to sell. Uh, third, what do small farms tend to produce? Well, they tend to produce foods that are more free or, or free entirely of pesticides yeah. and genetically modified strains of, of seeds and things. They also tend to treat farm animals more humanely. Uh, if you doubt that, go watch some of the documentaries that are out there on like Netflix and other services on chicken farming alone. Uh, fourth, if the farmers do not sell, he wants the federal government to seize the farms themselves. Let me say that again. He's proposing the U.S. government seize small farms, much as we saw happening with the Netherlands, who was a trial run. Um, now, our friend who's a god in the realm of legal knowledge would be correct, because I can pretty much anticipate what that person would be saying, that seizing property without rule of law opens a million doors of litigation from hell uh, to the benefit of those farmers. Of course, what's critical about that is, is that small farmers have the, those resources at their disposal or know how to do that. Um, by the way, that's not just John Kerry acting like John Kerry. Uh, that's part of an NGO called the Global Methane Hub, who is sponsored by the World Bank, a bunch of well-known foundations, and IKEA. Uh, that same group succeeded in getting 13 countries who have large livestock farming as part of their economy uh, to try and shift those ranches to something else in the name of reducing methane. I always love how the... I know. I always love how the same globalist NGOs will speak about the dangers of failed power grids, lack of food in months to come, and similar. You know what's and yet funny? Simultaneously though? supporting those efforts that cause those problems. Fellas, real quick. You know what's funny? We're so focused on the rainbow stuff that we're missing a lot of the big stuff. Like we, what you just mentioned, man, is huge. IKEA. I mean, right. you know, farming. I mean, geez, who would have made that connection? Well, and exactly. And if you look at some of these foundations, what I what caught my attention, because I do know my way around the world of, of foundations and money laundering and similar, is it wasn't just IKEA. But what I found interesting was I tend to find, as I know many of you do in your own research, I tend to find the normal organizations out there, the Ford Foundation, um, you know, um, anything involving uh, Rockefeller and related. But on this particular organization, it was foundations uh, that were set up by the descendants of like Hewlett Packard, you know, the founder of Hewlett Packard. It was a lot of Silicon Valley is really what it was. It was a lot of Silicon Valley money. Uh, the big firms that were known to have been started in Silicon Valley. And I don't mean Apple. I mean, way before that. I mean, companies that many of you probably have never even heard of like DEC, D-E-C. Um, it's those foundations that are funding this. And so 13 countries have signed on to saying, yeah, we got to get methane figures down. Uh, we're going to join in this. Um, the other thing is, um, as I mentioned a moment ago, we have this problem where these same non-governmental organizations, NGOs, keep talking about all of these things that might go wrong, but yet they're supporting things that will contribute to things going wrong, which begs the question, why do you think that is? Well, this goes to the belief in certain Christian and spiritual circles about the fact that evil people cannot commit evil unless they tell you that first. Correct. Um, 
By the way, uh, just a typical Vela sort of comment. Um, how many of you in our audience are aware of how much methane is released into the atmosphere annually by volcanoes? Just thought I'd throw. Oh that my out god! There. I mean, we just had a, a volcano go off. Um, you know, I think in, in Tonga, right? The last year or something right. like that. That one volcano spewed more carbon dioxide and methane in that one eruption than all of mankind and agri agricultural farming in the entire existence of humankind. Yes. And um, the other thing I would point out to all of you is um, Mount Erebus, E-R-E-B-U-S, is the only active volcano in Antarctica. I remember reading about this when I was in middle school, for God's sakes. Mount Erebus is a methane volcano. That's all it does. Is, right. is it just emits gas. Why does that matter? Well, because many of you might recall back in the 80s and the early 90s, this concern about, oh, my God, there's a hole in the ozone uh, right. layer above Australia and this, that, and the other. Well, in part, that was heavily contributed to by emissions from Mount Erebus. Now, yes, there was some, some uh, industrial uh, contribution to that. But the net of it is, is that it's kind of like with um, chlorine, uh, the chlor chlorofluorocarbon CFCs that were removed from refrigerants in the 1990s, you know, the oceans produce a tremendous amount of chlorine into the atmosphere. Um, the same thing with, with volcanic emissions. So again, it's, uh, if methane is your concern, uh, I highly doubt you're going to outdo mother nature. No. So I've got, I've got one other data point here about cash I'm going to cover. And then from there, we'll pull the switch on, on YouTube. Um, there was a little hiccup this week. Uh, some of you may be aware. Uh, Fifth Third Bank and PNC banks had difficulty on Tuesday at some ATMs as well as some bank branches dispensing cash. Now, that was very hit or miss. I know some people in some cities who said, I had no problems at all. I know some folks in other cities who were like, yeah, the, the uh, bank teller was looking at me saying, you want cash, why? Um, this could just be a glitch following Memorial Day. Um, it could be more. There's a Bitcoin publication who published an article the same day, what are the odds, discussing how wealthy families in the state of New York and elsewhere have been taking out large sums of cash. Mm -hmm. So let me unpack this a bit. Um, first, Rogue News and many others in the alternative space have been warning you for some time to have uh, cash on hand and bills like 20s or smaller, if you could, uh, to whatever degree you can. Uh, we often say, you know, quote unquote, some like $1,000 or, or whatever you, you, can, you can put together. Um, what was interesting about families of high net wealth is, is they've been taking out huge amounts of, of cash. I mean, it's like the, uh, some of you may recall, there was this, uh, I wouldn't call it a joke, but there was this thing during the great depression where people took out huge amounts of money and they literally packed it up into the walls of their house because they didn't want it in the bank because there'd been so many bank failures. Um, but it's always good to keep some cash on hand anyway. Uh, just because, you know, you may have a need or your kids need something or whatever. Now, I know there's a lot of people that are like, well, it could encourage theft. And it's like, well, only people know uh, it's there. Uh, second, while I was researching this story last Tuesday uh, to establish, you know, the bona fides of this, I discovered this sort of thing has happened a couple of times. There's a number of articles out there talking about, you know, pick a bank. And in a particular city or a particular area, either the ATM machines were not dispensing cash. It was not a function of there's no cash in the machine. It's just it, it wasn't dispensing any cash. Now, you could still use, in most occasions, you could still use your bank card. And there's usually a number of explanations given. But, you know, the outcome is, is a lack of physical currency is not available. Uh, this also begs the question, why are high net worth individuals, 
for several months, pulling out large sums of physical paper money out of the bank. Uh, high net worth folks tend to have very good sources of information. Uh, so why are they stockpiling cash? Now, at the same time, yes, I'm well aware that wealthy people can often be rather eccentric, uh, but they're usually still well informed. And the other thing is, how many times this, does this need to happen before people start preparing? Because uh, the fifth item is the next time I raise this topic is because it's already happened. So uh, I've, I've done and we've done all we can <laughs> to let everybody know you probably should have some cash in your house uh, in an envelope or a lockbox or, or maybe if you've got an ammo safe or whatever. The other thing is, is that uh, I had dinner last night with some friends and one of the folks there uh, runs a number of businesses and they do banking with Fifth Third among others. And one of the things they told me that I found interesting was, is they said, well, uh, I can also tell you this, uh, Fifth Third Bank, uh, can't speak for other banks, but for most of their bank branches, they only dr- deliver cash money one day a week. Yep. Yeah. And so that also begs the question, and I'm in no position to go dig this yeah. out, folks, so I don't know. Um, but it also begs the question, how much are other banks delivering physical cash to their various branches? And is this contributing to yet another reason why they only, a, a they only deliver, they only deliver only if it's on order. That's the only thing. So the uh, typically it's once a week, unless, of course, like if somebody goes in there, but hey, and they want to withdraw 20, 30, 40 grand of cash or whatever. Right. Then it's like, that's a special order. They got to order that up. But it's it, it, everybody's running thin, man. Everybody's running thin. Everybody. Yes. yes. And then the other thing uh, the same business owners passed along to me was, as they said, also keep in mind, um, you know, and I'm out here in the Midwest, uh, and V joined us several years ago along with CJ, um, is, uh, you know, Midwestern companies tend to be a little old school about stuff. And by that, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, to, sometimes to the detriment of finding themselves bought out. But smaller firms in the Midwest, we or in the South for that matter, we tend to keep cash on hand just because it's that kind of historical farming history that something goes sideways there's a flood or whatever tornado comes through and you need to have cash available. You, you don't have the luxury of going to a bank or what have you to, to get the resources you need. So it's just something that kind of preparedness that we've had uh, on hand for years. So the comment that was made at dinner last night by, by uh, one of the folks I was meeting with was they said, keep in mind, this has been going on for some time, Velas. It's not just the wealthy families on the East Coast. You've got businesses out there. Could be tool and die shops. Could be people who provide asphalt services. Could be tree cutting services, whatever it might be. Uh, and that's another thing. You know, landscapers for years, this always caused a problem when the U.S. government passed that rule that they said any kind of transaction over $10,000, even if electronic, you got to fill out a form and explain what are you doing with the money. Uh, there were a number of American landscapers that kept getting uh, arrested at the border because they were taking huge amounts of money with them into Mexico because they were buying uh, various things they needed, you know, trees and things or cactuses or whatever uh, for landscaping stuff they were doing back in the continental United States. Mexico was their primary source of getting getting those items. So a lot of questions were raised about why are you moving so much capital, you know, across the border? It's like, well, I'm a business owner and the people I buy from aren't really in a position to have a bank account. So it's like, yeah, I use, I use cash. So to what you were saying, V, it means that there's large sums of cash that aren't in circulation. Right. So with that, we will go pull the plug on YouTube. All right, folks on YouTube, follow us over to Twitch, 
follow us over to Twitch, uh, twitch.com. You can go to just type in Rogue News TV, one word. And with that being said, later, YouTube. And uh, remove. Perfect. All right. We're live on Twitch and on Periscope. Go for it, buddy. When are, when are we on Rumble, by the way? What? Oh, we're working on that. Uh, it's just one are, little issue. On... This is going to be uploaded to uh, Rumble. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, yeah, I've had a number of people reach out to me where it's like, yeah, I know where the recorded stuff is, Velas. Where's the. <laughs> I want it. I want... We'll do it live. I want the live stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Bill, thank you. Yes, you're absolutely right about uh, everything is fun and games until you start suing somebody. <laughs> okay, so now, now to the other content that I was concerned might cause us to get yanked on YouTube. Um, so this item is called UFOs and Activism. Uh, just a reminder, why did the FBI as well as U.S. intelligence have folks inside UFO research groups? Uh, because it was a source of study. Uh, they needed plenty of examples of non-traditional groups that they could study to game out how to manipulate them. Uh, it's also why any activist group out there is so compromised. Uh, they cannot hold a meeting at Panera without the FBI knowing about it. I've shared with all of you, there's an old saying in Eastern Europe that says, and I quote, when three people gather in a conspiracy, two are government agents and one is an idiot, unquote. Um, I'm noting this in my occasional rant about I cannot take you seriously because of X when it comes to a couple of things. Um, from the Ku Klux Klan to Earth First to the Weather Underground to quote-unquote white supremacist groups in the United States to U-Haul truck drivers outside the White House, uh, as I said last week, we're being played. Uh, if the machinery of U.S. federal law enforcement or intelligence communities want to make use of a group, they will. Uh, they already know every possible way that group can be leveraged. Uh, why are we seeing such a marked rise in the media of activity who one could say is akin to uh, let's see if they fall for this one. Uh, well, we know the major media organizations are managed by U.S. intelligence via Operation Mockingbird and related programs. So as all these strange stories are out there about shadowy groups, the powers that be need the public both distracted and unable to interfere. Uh, with that, V, can you pull up that clip I sent you? Uh, where'd you send it? Uh, I emailed it to you, or I can post it to you here. Hang on, two yeah. ticks. Uh... Don't have it. Okay. Yeah, send it to me on, on on private, and I'll pull it up. Yeah, pull that up in just a second. Let me yep. uh, let me cover this other topic here before we do that. So the left right thing. Um, this is kind of a deep one, folks. Uh, I'd like to put forward the following after some continued discussions with friends of mine on both sides of the proverbial aisle. Uh, repeat after me, everyone. Uh, at the present time. There is no true argument between the political left or the political right anymore. Uh, no. I say that glo globally, not just right. in reference to the United States. Social programs, military spending, education, the degree of government regulation, favorable business climates, and the list goes on. Uh, those were the arguments of the 1960s through the mid-1990s. None of that applies anymore because simply put, each and every one of those topics has been weaponized by our friends in the globalist community. Your self-identified political views are frankly something given to you by your enemies. So therefore, as I would advise you, reject it. I don't care what your political views are. No matter how much money you have or the degree you believe your wealth can influence an elected official policy matters, that influence has been usurped the last 20 years. There's only one singular topic and one singular issue, one singular focus that should exist in our lives right now. 
investigation and clarity on the goals of the globalist or Davos crowd, call them what you will, and how to impede, damage, and stop those goals, as well as look out for our families, our friends, and our own personal interests. That is it. To take part in any of the typical political arguments of the past 40 years is a waste of your time. Mm. The game has changed. You need to understand the players and their goals because these people will hurt you if you can't keep on top of what they're doing. You need to reach out to those you know on the other side, whether philosophical, political, or whatever, and build bridges together because we can no longer afford to be each other's adversaries. And I'll also leave you with this analogy from one of my ethnic communities. There's a documentary called Russians Denied Russia. Uh, and for English speakers, you'll need subtitles as the whole thing is in the native language. In the documentary is something I've mentioned to you all before, as well as another item. The first item is, is there's, this is the thing about the plaque that's at the port in Crimea who states, a nation left these shores never to return to their homeland again. It's in reference to the white Russian community when we fled Russia at the end of the Civil War. The second item is this. When Imperial Russia fell, the prestigious military academies had their school flags smuggled out of Russia for safekeeping. Many of the schools didn't open again until the end of communism in 1991. In the documentary, the last living cadets of those academies ceremoniously brought the flags back before they died. In ceremonies at many of the schools, and it's in the documentary, these aged ethnic Russians returned home to hand those flags back to whoever were the leading ca uh, cadets of each school. Now, it ceremoniously signified their return home and the reemergence of these schools and its importance in Russian society. If you saw the 2014 Winter Games from Sochi, Russia, part of the opening ceremonies focused on those schools and their history. In an interview with one of those aged cadets, he made a comment to the effect, and I quote, Brothers, this has to end. We've been killing each other long enough, unquote. His reference was something only understood in the Russian expatriate community until the decades after the fall of the country. That being the conflict between Russians living in Russia and the expatriate community was forced on us. It was forced on us by others outside Russia, such as the London Corporation or the Tavistock Institute, and the list goes on. So my encouragement to all of you is do not let my ethnic community's history become the future of the United States. This arguing between the left and the right in American society and not the people on TV who claim to be those sides, simply has to end. So with that, V, why don't you go ahead and, and uh, play that clip. And the way they have their corporate news report every story in a way that divides us. Every, every story. Look how, look how they report vaccines. Look how they report COVID, lockdowns. Look, look how they reported Kyle Rittenhouse, for Christ's sake, right? Now, I hated Kyle Rittenhouse because I watched the corporate media and the corporate media told me he was a white supremacist who didn't even live in Kenosha and he traveled across state lines with guns to go shoot black people. And then I watched the case, the trial. Did you watch the trial? None of that was true. He actually did live there. He was a lifeguard in Kenosha. He lived 20 minutes away. He didn't take guns across state lines. He was asked to protect that business by people of color who were immigrants because the cops wouldn't protect the business. So he was doing them a favor, and he didn't shoot three black people. He shot three white people. And I was like, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he shot three white people? That's a pretty remedial white supremacist. <laughs> Boy, I bet he took a lot of shit back at the meeting. 
<laughs> Kyle, what are you doing? It's my first day. <laughs> it was dark. <laughs> I'm allergic to pedophiles. I'm allergic to pedophiles. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's, again, the power of propaganda. They can make you think anything they want to make you think. And now I know when I do this bit now, and it's going to come out on my special, I know the next day Kyle Rittenhouse is going to start the Milwaukee chapter of the Hitler Youth. I know that. <laughs> and make me look like a dick. I know that. <laughs> and, you know, I was, uh, I was a Democrat up until 2016, and then when they cheated Bernie in the primary, I was like, fuck this, I'm done with them, right? That's all. So that was, that was definitely relates to the whole thing about uh, the media in Revolutionary <clears throat> Bliss, by the way, your, your comment about Alaska is well taken. Well taken indeed. Um, your health. Uh, I posted on Discord's health page uh, Tuesday, May 30th, an insurance industry analyst who specializes in the medical field. I'm not going to say on air, even though we're not even on YouTube. Uh, but you probably check out that article. It's the one from Technocracy News. Uh, let's just say it's more data backing up uh, what we've said on Rogue regarding the degree to which the insurance industry knows uh, about the damage caused by uh, the shots. Let's see here. Okay, I'll have the carbon, please. Uh, speaking of your health and worries about global warming, uh, caught some speeches by, quote-unquote, concerned European government advisors about carbon limits preventing people from activities they need. Uh, case in point, airline, uh, you have to take an airline flight somewhere, but they've already consumed uh, their allotment of credits for the year. Well, not to worry. These European government experts say they have a solution uh, to enable people, much like corporations, to purchase carbon credits uh, to take the, that last-minute vacation airline flight or whatever it might be. Uh, that's when the bulb went off for me. Uh, I'll paraphrase Mike Moore's comment about the only thing the world's elites care about is how you enable their goals or make them money. Uh, the result is they'll let you buy carbon credits in case you need to operate your air conditioning a bit longer or take a trip or similar. Uh, remember the real reason why Elon Musk established Tesla, folks. Uh, they've, they've, <clears throat> they've figured out yet another way to make money off of us. Uh, also, according to Blacklisted News, the head of the U.S. Uh, carbon credit certifying company named Vera has resigned over accusations of fake carbon credits being issued. Uh, this is ironic as the same thing happened to their European counterpart four months ago. Let's see here. Power grids. Uh, noting my comment about the power grids. Uh, re remember my comment la on last week's program, too, about the Five Eyes intelligence agencies posting warnings about, quote-unquote, Chinese actors poking around America's power grids. Uh, the FBI's InfraGuard organization also released a massive notification this week to its membership uh, dovetailing off that intelligence. Uh, the FBI InfraGuard release went into great depth about various international actors and domestic scary people who might hit the power grid. Uh, then, during the last week, CBS Mornings reviewed a DHS report about white extremists planning to hit the power grid. So what's our common theme here? Uh, they keep talking about a million possible villains who might take down America's power grid. Heck, it could be a fleet of U-Hauls driven by white men who strangely are native to Mexico or India. That's a joke. Driving into Transformers. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what excuse they use. The point is, is that... Uh, 
we're possibly going to lose power for a week or a month and we need to be prepared for that, i.e. the comment about having cash on hand. Signs and portents. Mentioned last week several of the goings-on in the economy and decision-making in corporate America. One of those data points being what the press says about information security and those working in it versus the reality of that field. More bluntly, life in the halls of information technology security departments and firms are gritty at best right now. Please refer to last week's program about all the cost-cutting and short-term executive thinking in the United States and the global business community. According to the article I posted to the Vellis page on Wednesday of this week, over one-third of C-level, chief executive officer level, IT security executives in the United States and Britain are leaving their jobs or have. They would rather resign than be working there should things get bad. Nine out of 10 senior IT security leaders report being moderately or tremendously stressed, and the tenure of such leaders is progressively getting shorter. It's also being realized many corporate IT security leaders are relying on their outside consultants to tell them when to resign as much as help them resolve the problems they're trying to fix. Most senior IT surveys have indicated those leaders are saying they're at the mercy of their fellow C-level executives who keep cutting budgets and increasing their scope of ownership. This is part of the shift of responsibility I mentioned last week, while traditional C-suite executives like CEOs, CFOs, chief operating officers buy themselves more time. Now, with all those staffing problems and cost-cutting, sure sounds like someone could make the case if major U.S. infrastructure assets start failing due to hacking or sabotage. India and defense, per the Hindustan Times, India over the past several years has reduced defense purchases from outside the country by 10% while increasing defense exports several factors higher during the same period. India continues to be a growing arms exporter, and I recall the papers I wrote about India's arms industry as far back as the 90s. I wonder how Turkey and South Korea feel about all that competition in their mid-tier arms markets. Plus, arms sales are big money in global economics and a boon to your high-tech sector. Just ask the United States. That's a real nice economy you got there, India. Be a shame if something happened to it. Weapon sales. Speaking of arms sales, do you remember when I told you a couple of weeks ago about how arms from Ukraine were showing up among arms traffickers in South America? The press in Mexico is now reporting that United States-supplied AT-4 weapons are being openly purchased by Mexican drug cartels who were originally given to Ukraine. Amusingly, the AT-4 is what's known as a man pad or a man-portable anti-tank or anti-hardened sight weapon. It is unguided, but it's very effective. And one of the biggest advantages, at least according to all the marketing documentation from Saab, who builds it, is nearly anyone of any skill level can use it. Uh, Remember, everybody, another method to launder money is arms sales. Further defense news, Gerald Salente had a data point in his recent newsletter, the U.S. defense budget is about to reach $1 trillion next year. By the way, next year is this October, because that's when the federal year begins. To paraphrase John F. Kennedy, imagine what that kind of money could do if we shifted the U.S. economy towards space exploration instead of making war on most of the planet we live on. To quote Londo Malari from Babylon 5, and I quote, is there anyone with whom we are currently not at war, Lord Rifa? Unquote. <laughs> Bilderbergers were in Lisbon last week, in case anybody forgot. Tis the season. Uh, the Bilderberger meeting uh, occurred last week, which will be followed by the Bohemian Grove out in California in the June and July time frame. And then the Aspen Institute will have several events later this year including their security summit in the mid-July timeframe. 
Uh, ironically, while researching this, I literally found job openings on ZipRecruiter for the Bohemian Grove event, uh, in case you want to wait on tables or work as a guard or whatever it might be. Uh, I did have to wonder uh, whether or not I should take some time off from my current, uh, my current work and uh, see what sort of cheeseburger I can get up there by working on site. There was a good clip on the Odyssey Network, O-D-Y-S-E-E, that Odyssey, uh, a, plat a platform like Twitch and Rumble and so on, uh, by a group called We Are Change, and the name of their clip was Live at Secretive Meeting. Uh, the video was a bit grainy, but I appreciate their efforts. They were filming various people that were going into the Bilderberger meeting. Uh, also, let that be a reminder yet again to diversify the platforms you leverage for various broadcasts, not just Twitch alone or Rumble or whatever you may normally use. Bill Gates glows in the dark. Uh, among many things we monitor about Bill Gates is his involvement in the nuclear industry. As I allude to almost weekly, there's been a sudden plethora of stories covering the topic of nuclear power lately. That, of course, immediately makes me wonder why. On that subject, also recall Brendan O'Connell's comments that uh, should they run the global economy into the ground, they'll help turn things around by offering the world technology they've been sitting on the shelf for some time. Technology the globalists own, of course. We've continued news stories about problems in Germany now that they've shut down the last of their nuclear power plants. Those concerns are shared across Europe, including France, who once had a very viable nuclear industry. At the other end of the ledger, we have recent interviews by none other than Oliver Stone and Joe Rogan discussing Stone's documentary about nuclear power. Namely, he's a huge supporter of it, and his documentary covers the many ways in which support for nuclear power has been stopped at every turn. If we were to consider the book The Conspirator's Hierarchy by John Coleman, I know many of you know that book, which covers the Committee of 300 and other related globalist groups, Coleman discussed in his book extensively uh, the topic of nuclear power because the globalist community has opposed nuclear power at every opportunity. For powerful individuals focused on a global economy whose profit driver is scarcity, the last thing you want is relatively free power. My God, next people will want elections to actually accomplish something. So what's old Bill been up to? Well, the usual. In a place called Kemmerer, Wyoming, he's been supporting the building of what's described as the most advanced nuclear facility in the world. I'd also uh, point out, removing Bill from this topic, there's been considerable development in the nuclear power world the last 10 years. A science article was just published yesterday, as a matter of fact, about how British researchers had achieved a massive breakthrough in nuclear fusion, namely controlled sustainment of temperatures hotter than the sun during a fusion reaction. Bill owns a company called Terra Power, who's rolling out an advanced power plant called a natrium plant by 2030. Wow, 2030. That year has been mentioned quite a few times of late for some reason. Anyway, Bill says we need these new nuclear power plants to combat, say it with me, global warming. Uh, Bill is receiving funding from a bipartisan infrastructure bill who included a special provision called the Advanced Reactor Demonstration Program, or ARDP. The Department of Energy funding commits $2 billion over five years to this new nuclear energy plant. Some of the advantages of the approach being used by TerraPower is both cooling through liquid sodium instead of water and use of what's called high assay, low enriched uranium to power it. It goes without saying Bill's company and its approach is proprietary and he wants to be able to sell it to other countries once they perfect it. By the way, I would also point out, folks, you may recall from some of our rogue programs a while back, uh, I had covered that there was a sudden surge recently in uranium mining 
uh, both in the United States and in Canada, as well as globally, which had immediately raised my suspicions as to why that was. Also, uh, not only does, you know, Bill wants to sell this worldwide because he's such a humanitarian. Um, there was a recent article, by the way, uh, I picked up yesterday about the flight of wealthy Californians from that state, uh, especially in the Silicon Valley's uh, San Francisco area. What was interesting is, is that article identified that one of the places at least that particular sector of people from California are moving to is Wyoming. Nothing to see here. Move along. Ah. And then my last item, and I rarely do this, is is because uh, I, I rarely read anything uh, verbatim unless I have to, but in this case I felt it was warranted. Um, I've posted about Carl Denninger before. He's the guy that runs the website that looks like it's uh, off a dial-up modem from 1995. Um, I remember Carl. Yeah, he's, he's got a very interesting piece I wanted to cover. And by the way, when I uh, read this to you, he'll use a term called CMS, Charlie Mike Sierra. When you hear me use that term, what he's referring to is Centers for uh, Medicare and Medicaid, or just basically Medicare and Medicaid. So what Carl said is... Ah, so I'm, I'm quoting directly from, from what he posted. Um, the details are a bit thin, but there's no reduction in the debt on the table. That is, the government refuses to cut spending to less than what it can take in via taxes. He's talking about the debt ceiling. The growth in mandatory programs, specifically CMS, is where the problem is. And I've pointed this out for 30 years, all the way back to long before this column was originated and when I was running MCSNNet. It's a math problem when you get down to it, but that also means it's a serious political problem because waving your arms around will do nothing. What it makes worse is that all of it is illegal. 15 U.S.C. Chapter 1 makes what our medical and pharmaceutical, uh, pharmaceutical firms do on a daily basis federal felonies carrying 10-year prison terms for each person who's been screwed over in each occurrence. Two decisions legally, Royal Drug, which is 440 U.S. 205 from 1979, and Maricopa County, 457 U.S. 332 from 1982, both found that there is no immunity from antitrust laws for medical providers and medical insurance companies or drug companies. None. These decisions have stood unchallenged since 1982. No statute has modified them. The cited claim of immunity in the first McCarran-Ferguson was disposed of is not applicable. So that sort of claim regarding insurance firms is void too in what's known as res judica, which from Latin means already decided. Neither political party nor any of the states have in the 40 years since that time prosecuted anyone for these violations, nor sent anyone to prison, including those who got slapped for doing it in the cases that went to court originally themselves. None have forced the end of discriminatory pricing practices. California has gone even further and claimed authority to enact uh, same at state level, despite the Supreme Court throwing up all over it uh, to what they did in 1982 prior to the state's act. And nobody has gone after them either. We cannot resolve the fiscal mess in the United States with, without resolving this. There is no possible resolution without not only putting an end to this, but removing it on a forward basis. The cash basis deficit within CMS is larger than the entire federal deficit last year. That is, if you fixed it, we would have no deficit in the United States. The inflation you see today would not exist. 
the destruction of your purchasing power over the last several administrations would not have, on the whole, happened. The parties will not take this on because you won't force them to. Instead, you wish to talk about other things, all of which I, I assume you think are important. Without resolving this, however, there's no way to stop the inflationary monster that's eating your financial health alive, and there's no way to prevent what will inevitably occur, the collapse of the U.S. medical system when it can no longer extract any more money. And if you need it at that point or beyond, you'll most probably be dead. Obamacare was all about trying to buy that system a few more years. The COVID countermeasures paid for by the government were as well. The facts are that staffed beds have fallen by about a third since 1975, but the cost incurred in hospitals has skyrocketed. During the last three years, 18% of all people hospitalized with a specific virus have died. Yet in some countries, including mine, nearly 9 out of 10 died during a six-month period. Specifically the back half of 2021, which was much, much worse than the first months when we allegedly knew nothing about this brand new disease. Our government's policy was to pay bonuses for treatments, even though they didn't work, even when they led to wildly out of the norm and above average fatality rates. In some cases, such as here, when said policies and treatments produced fatalities at five times the average rate across the country as a whole. Nobody has done anything about any of it, nor has any one politician so much as raised a hand and asked for a formal inquiry or an explanation. The money blown on these objectively worthless measures, after all, if you leave in a box, that, that measure, those measures were obviously, in fact, worthless, drove up inflation rate in your state and town anyway, while you debate whether or not inflation is worth it if the treatments are successful. There is no debate to be had if the treatments fail. All of these payments were made through and by CMS. The entire problem in our federal budget and spending lies there. Yes, we can debate military spending and many other programs, and we should. But if we don't fix this area of the budget, using something like my proposal from several years ago, we will fail, and so will the country. So with that, V, I yield the floor. Uh, excellent, excellent show today, man. Um, you covered a lot of ground, and I couldn't have said it better myself. There's so many things that are happening. We're... we're myopically looking at things here and there but asymmetrically the world is changing at such a level not seen since world war ii man yeah the 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 it's it really is a multi-dimensional chessboard at this point and it's not because the you know there's so many things happening so many interests so many players it's incredible man it really is incredible well, and it goes to what I mentioned last week, and not not to make it hyperbole, folks, but I mean, Bretton Woods, yeah. you know, between between the establishment of the Federal Reserve, you know, for for some of you that are familiar with the book, the the uh, oh, what is it, the the Beast from Jekyll Island or whatever that book was called, you know, the measures they went through just to establish the Federal Reserve, where all of these powerful people uh, boarded a, a train or different trains uh, to reach that resort down in Georgia, independently of one another. And even if they were on the same train, they were to sit in different cars. They were to receive no communications unless it was in writing. Uh, because as, as many have said, and it is true, what those people were doing when they established the Federal Reserve was essentially treason. Yeah. Um, same thing with Bretton Woods. They could hide behind uh, a global conflict uh, that, depending on what you look at, 
some people will often quote the figure 40 or 50 million people I shared with all of you on this show. If you include civilian casualties, World War II was, was 80 million or more people. Uh, whole, whole countries were nearly wiped out. That's, that's what it took to reset the system the last time. And again, not to beat this too, too topic too greatly, but, but as I shared on a couple of shows, and it's been said by, by many others here on Rogue News, um, they, quote unquote they, attempted a number of ways to start up uh, wars the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I mentioned specifically on last week's show, they, they tried to start a war with Iran. That didn't take. They tried to expand the, the uh, conflict in Syria. Uh, that didn't take because we had somebody who, although following their own self-interest, just wasn't going to drag the United States into that, being, being the prior I'm-not-falling-down president. Um, they have no global conflict to hide behind this time. And, and the amount of stuff that's going on is immense. But to, you know, and they, I have great respect for uh, our friend in the legal community who, who is on listening to this show today and, and has, has uh, been on a number of the discussions we had on Discord in the past. Uh, their, their narrative is one I agree with completely. The laws are there. The mechanisms are there. The resources are there. You know, it just, ta- it's like the story I told you about, about the person who I helped fight their company on this thing about, well, uh, we're going to terminate you if you don't take the shot. And they whipped out what, you know, the civil procedure rules in their particular state and their right to raise that issue, their right to bring an a- attorney with them, even though the HR rep is losing their mind ah. and then pull you know, out. I, I started looking at HR reps at corporations, similarly, similarly to the way that I look at George Soros uh, DAs. oh it was with great joy that i informed several friends of mine at at various companies where i said you know my thoughts on offshoring and i'm not proud of what we did uh at ge uh in offshoring thousands of jobs to other countries uh which is one of the reasons why i resigned but this whole uh i raised holy terror in my mba program with with various people sitting in the room saying yeah well we just should offshore everything in it those people don't do anything anyway and it's like really you know, please refer back to my comments about what's going on in IT security departments right now. And I pointed out to everybody in, in my uh, program, you do understand there are companies that have transitional C-level executives that can be brought in. Like, we don't need your board of directors. We don't need your senior managers. We don't need your mid-level managers. I can replace all of them. In fact, if you really want to get something done, I mean, I, I helped found a consulting practice that that's what we did. We brought in transitional executives when everybody in the company couldn't make a decision because of politics or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, if the right thing of options one, two, and three is option two, then this is what we're doing. That person didn't need to worry about the career because they don't have one. Their job is just to come in and, and do the dirty work and then leave. And then you can bring another politician in after, after them. But this thing about the legal community, folks, your, your tools, your resources are there. Pressure can be applied. Uh, the woman I was mentioning a moment ago, when she finally slapped down the nuclear bomb, which was, here's the FDA rule 320 mm-hmm. and all of its, its associated provisions. And the HR rep went out in the hallway and the legal counsel for the company just shrugged and looked at the HR rep and said, she's got you. She's got you. And the HR rep is screaming about how dare she and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you need to shut the hell up. <laughs> I don't think you understand. She's got you. The rules were always there. It's just none of our employees bothered to go do the research. And so the HR rep walked back in the room and told that person, we're dropping the entire mandate for everybody because they couldn't just do it for her because that creates another legal jeopardy. So my point to all of you is always tread carefully in that universe. 
But as I've said on this show on many occasions, and I'm speaking from experience, V and I've talked about this. I've, <laughs> I don't ever want to step in the courts again if I don't have to, but <laughs> I've been in and out of the courts for 30 years, family, civil, federal. I've been in all of them and I've learned a lot and I've made a lot of mistakes because I just didn't know. And the other thing that I've often said on this show, even if you've got a good attorney, you got to double check your lawyer because a lawyer in the end has to protect the system, which is the legal community. And I've, I've been there many times where I've got an attorney who I trust, I've had dinner with, I know them personally, and they're sitting there saying, well, we really feel we should do the following. And I'm like, what about this? Well, yeah, we could, we could do that too, I guess. And it's like, right, because <laughs> I read your damn handbook, and I'm not spending another minute in this courtroom if I don't need to. Why don't we just, you know, settle this through, through an intermediary or what have you? Oh, and by the way, all the evidence that's been brought into this case didn't follow proper judicial procedure rules. So why are you as my attorney not raising that lawyer who I pay? Well, now that you mention it, yeah, that's a really good point. So, I mean, we say it here on Rogue. I know it's frustrating as heck. I, I had this discussion with, with uh, the people I had dinner with last night. I had this discussion with people I met this weekend at some graduation parties. This narrative about each and every one of us. It doesn't matter whether we want to do it or not, folks. Each and every one of us, we have to become our own doctors. We have to become our own lawyers. We have to become our own real estate agents. We have to double and triple check everything because all of these licensed professionals in our lives, all of these elected officials have a vested interest in not telling us how the system works. So your options are there. Your resources are there. Do, do the research where you can. Uh, I had a friend of mine the other day uh, point out to me, there's a series of videos on YouTube or something called, so you're going to court or something like that. And they, they provide a number of, of uh, helpful areas of advice. But uh, as a friend of the show reminded me to say on one of these shows, uh, go research your, your state that you live in's uh, civil procedure rules. I mean, grab a cup of coffee and just sit down and read through those and make sure you under, cause that's going to apply to I, one of the most powerful things ever said by this person on one of our discussions on those Sunday nights was you as an individual citizen have the right to depose somebody. You don't need a lawyer to do that. And it's the same with, with the comments from uh, Denninger. Um, the laws are there. You don't need to go to court and win your case. The case was already won. Two massive cases when it comes to holding pharmaceutical firms, the medical community, and others uh, accountable as it relates to budgets and so on. It's just no one has said, hey, I've got case law on my side. I'm bringing, I'm bringing a legal action. Or my personal favorite, which, which lawyers will do amongst themselves, uh, I'm raising a friend of the court action. That's always a fun one, which is just basically, hi, Your Honor, I'm showing up with something I'd like you to do. And when you sit there and glare at me and say, well, you're not an attorney. I don't have to listen to you. Well, according to state civil procedures rules, you're my bitch. <laughs> I need you to do the following. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. Well, it's good stuff, brother. Thank you, my friend. And uh, I'm not sure about next week, folks. I'm, I'm planning on having a program, but we'll, we'll see. But yeah. uh, and take care of yourselves. Have a, have a good weekend. Harley, Harley is coming up next. Harley's next. And for those that don't know, I'll, I'll be on vacation. I'll be touch and go on shows. So just want to give every, every single one of you all a heads up on that. And with that regards, Harley is next. Keep it locked and loaded. We'll be everywhere, including YouTube on Harley. Cheers. <laughs>